Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, Healthcare Sustainability Leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Have you ever wanted to be a nurse entrepreneur? Do you have ideas for making improvements for nurses or nursing practice? Today's interview is with a nurse who is doing just that. Oriana Turley is an acute care nurse who is solving a problem she encountered. She is founding a company that makes ethically produced, sustainably resourced, well-fitting scrubs. It was fascinating to talk with Oriana to learn more. excited today to talk with Oriana Turley. Oriana is a nurse in Montana who's done some really innovative work that um, I look forward to exploring with all of you today and with Oriana. Welcome, Oriana. Hi, Beth. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, start off with telling us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to be a nurse? Um, and eventually, how are you interested in this problem that we talk about on this podcast about envir- where, where nursing meets the environment? And then we'll dive yeah. into your project. Yeah, absolutely. So I started out in the outdoor industry. I, in my teens and 20s, worked on the river and in the mountains in a variety of guiding roles. And I came to nursing really seeking stability, financial stability, and um, kind of an end to that seasonal lifestyle, wanting to have a family and a, a home. And I think it's a pretty natural fit for a lot of us who worked in the outdoor industry to transition into healthcare. Um, both because you know it's an honorable profession and something you can be really proud of, um, but also just really stable right out of school, right? And so in 2015, I graduated from MSU with a bachelor's in nursing, and um, I was blessed enough to get a David um, in Missoula right out of school, and I still work on that same floor today. Well, cool. So. So going from the outdoor industry to nursing, what, what were some of your early experiences that, um, that linked the two or that you found jarring between the two, if, if that is, is the case for you? Yeah, as far as industries go, you know, the outdoor industry is really a leader um, in sustainability and advocacy work. And so it's pretty ingrained um, working in the outdoor industry that you're going to, you know, fight pretty hard to protect public lands and wild spaces and clean air and clean water. I mean, that's an integral part of what we're showing people to appreciate when we're taking people on these journeys in the wilderness. And coming to the hospital is a pretty stark difference. You know, um, we, I really wanted to um, incorporate some of those values into my work at the bedside as a nurse. And it, sometimes it's hard to know how to get started. And I really found mentors, Sarah Johnson being one who's a mentee of yours as well, um, who really inspired me to start small. And instead of getting overwhelmed, you know, within a big system and not knowing what to do and how to be more sustainable and more efficient um, and decrease waste, just really start on a very practical level and start small. And so that's kind of where my journey with sustainability started. But it really inspired me to start thinking about supply chain and different you know, avenues of how I could make an impact. And I kind of landed on scrubs, you know, um, my company that I just launched medicine mountain scrub company, we are out to be the most sustainable and ethical scrub company available. And that idea really spawned from those 
practical first steps of just paying attention. So I know a little bit about your scrub company. I'd like you to tell us more about it, but, but I, I just have to ask, did you know something about companies and supply chain and fabrics before you started? Definitely not. This is a brand new learning journey for me. I do consider myself a lifelong learner. I've always loved school. I get pretty pumped up about learning something completely new that I know nothing about. Um, and so in that way, I think it gave me the confidence to just dive right in. Um, it's a huge endeavor, obviously, to build an ethical and sustainable supply chain, to create a company, to learn about marketing. Um, and I did not have any experience previous to about 18 months ago. So tell us about how you, what you did. How'd you get started? Why, why was there something about scrubs that you were unhappy with, for instance? Yeah, from a functional perspective, um, I was really tired of deep plunging v-necks and low-rise pants. I mean, we do a lot of pretty invasive work in close quarters in nursing. You know, we're in bathrooms, helping people with really intimate moments, often in a full squat, you know, and having your body be exposed because your uniform is not fitting you properly was a huge pain point for me from the very beginning. But also just coming from the outdoor industry, you know, you have a kit like a set of apparel that you do for your specific activity. And that's pretty normal. And the standards of the apparel industry in the outdoors is, you know, of course it's going to be ethically made. Of course it's going to be made from sustainable materials with supply chain partners that are following pretty strict standards of ethics and recycled materials and water and waste and chemical management. And um, they've really kind of shown the way and created all these amazing third-party certification processes to ensure that people on the planet are taken to account in the making of their apparel. And so naturally, I, I looked for that when I became a nurse as well, and, and I couldn't find it. And that was pretty surprising to me because, you know, everyone knows Patagonia. I mean, they're a leader in the industry, and, and that's, that's pretty standard. I thought there would be some sort of Patagonia of the workplace, and there was not. So I decided to make one. That's pretty amazing. So how did you get started like finding finding fabric how did you get started with that or, or is that where you start I have no idea yeah I started with education so um, I kind of went back to my school roots and I tried to seek out a program um, which would help me figure out what I needed to learn right because um, I didn't even know I didn't even know how to get started so I signed up for a sustainable fashion accelerator program which basically took me through a series of checklists um, how to design, you know, what the different elements of design um, were required, like for factories or for the development process, but also how to source sustainable fabrics and um, just broke down the different types of sustainable fabrics and the pros and cons of each and, and took me through kind of an educational process for my first six months and that went through last summer. And, and then I was able to kind of utilize some of my connections from the outdoor industry some friends who didn't go into healthcare went into apparel design and worked for some of these bigger companies and went to outdoor retailer show and sourced my fabric there, which is really where the cutting edge sustainable fabrics for the outdoor industry are presented. And we were really able to narrow down what types of performance fabrics made from recycled materials that we wanted to use that kind of had all the technical qualities we were looking for for scrubs. Um, breathable and stretchy and soft and something that you would want to wear but also you know has been made through an environmentally conscious process as well. 
so tell me more about that, the, the environmentally conscious process. What, what are the things that you look for and measure? Yeah, so the fabric that we settled on, um, we made sure that we could trace, it's a recycled polyester, so it's made from recycled plastic bottles, and we made sure that we could um, prove that our fabric was actually made from recycled materials. So in that way, we sought out a third-party certification. Um, ours specifically is called the Global Recycled Standard, and it's a voluntary product standard for tracking and kind of verifying the content of recycled materials for a final product. And for us, it's our fabric. So we're able to kind of trace plastic bottle recycling plant to the yarn, to the fabric mill, and then we're able to take it to our cut and sew facility. Um, which is a women's cooperative in Southeast India made up of 45 women. And we kind of started with them and then built our supply chain regionally around them. From a logistics and a sustainability perspective, I'm really kind of obsessed with this idea of regional supply chains. Um, it's pretty standard to ship like fabric from Taiwan to Bangladesh or India for cut and sew and then ship to the United States or wherever its final destination is. And that's you know problematic for a couple of reasons. One, just pure logistics, time, um, and ease of kind of getting the job at hand done. But also from a carbon perspective, you know, all that shipping and all that travel and all the different hands that it has to go to in order to arrive at the customer. I really wanted to think practically and, and just reduce some of those travel times and, and carbon impact and build regional supply chain around the Women's Cooperative. And, you know, I, I can't believe it in some ways, but we were able to get that done and also match these certifications that help us feel confident that, um, you know, ethics and environmental standards are being followed pretty closely. So when you, let's talk a little bit more about the regional supply chain. So uh, are, does this mean that the bottles are um, found in India and turned into y yarn in India and the fabric is made in India and they're sewed in India and then shipped one time to our to customers around the world? Is that what you mean by regional supply chain? Yep, exactly. So everything can be sourced in the region around our cut and sew facility. And then this, you know, goes through the whole process of creating the yarn and the fabric and then going to our cut and sew. And then, so the whole product can be made in one region and then shipped one time to us here in Montana for distribution. Um, was this group of, of, of women already a company or is this your company in India? Or did you start them? Um, no, so we found them through an ethical sourcing company. Um, it's a startup with a couple gals that I just by chance and pure luck connected with on Facebook actually in a women's business group. It's funny how serendipitous things can happen. And um, they were just starting out last November as well. And they really are championing me in this idea of trying to help companies like mine set up these, you know, ethical supply chains and being able to um, ensure that they're um, certified in ethics and sustainability, but the Women's Cooperative specifically is um, a voluntary member of the Supplier Ethical Data Exchange, which is a little bit of a mouthful, but it's essentially a global nonprofit and it's a membership organization that leads work um, with buyers and suppliers um, to make sure that there's responsible sourcing available and that they can go through ethical audits and 
and um, make sure everyone's safe and healthy and working in good conditions. And the standards for both GRS and the SEDEX ethics audits are very similar to social determinants of health, which is an interesting connection and really settled well within me because it made a lot of sense, right? Like you really just wanna make sure that the conditions in which they work are safe, that they're getting paid a wage, a living wage for their area, that they're able to, um, if they're dealing with any sort of chemicals, um, they're able to do so safely. And it's pretty practical stuff. And, and I think it should be a standard of business in general, right? Yeah, great, great job to um, find, find all that. You, you, you say it was by pure luck, but I know it was by hard work and creativity <laughs> on your part. Um, and I'm a big believer in third-party verification uh, as the two that you describe, and we do that a lot in healthcare. We do that in, in sustainability work in healthcare as well. Mm -hmm. So let's let's move to the concept of design of the scrubs themselves. So you had problems with your scrubs and how they fit, and probably talked with other nurses about that. Um, mm -hmm. So how did you did you design the new scrubs? Did you hire a designer? How, what did you do? Tell us about that. Yeah. So. Um, of course, I kind of crowdsourced among my coworkers and my friends in healthcare and just like, what do you hate about your scrubs, right? Like, what, what are your pain points, essentially? And the, the themes were pretty common. I mean, really, it was about this fit and function, lack of pockets, etc. Um, and just wanting a uniform that fit together nicely and didn't move when you moved your body into different positions. And, um, and so I took those pain points and I teamed up with a friend of mine, Katie, who is a top designer in the outdoor industry and has designed women's apparel for, um, you know, casual clothing and, and mountain clothing and river clothing. And she helped me create what's called a tech pack. And so it takes an idea, basically, um, a childlike drawing that I drew, right, <laughs> of the general aesthetic of what I was looking for. And Katie took that and she translated it into numbers on a spreadsheet. And she helped me create this technical pack that a manufacturer or a factory would be able to um, interpret and create into a, a sample. And, and those are like measurements of the waist to the hip and then your seam allowances and, and all kinds of technical aspects of design that I clearly have no experience in. And so she was kind of my translator, so to speak, of I have this idea, this is, this is what I'm going for. And she helped me really um, get, get it into a language that our development factory could, could make a sample that we were really happy with actually from the first one. Cool. Yeah. And then I understand you have several products, scrub tops and pants. What, what are you starting with? Yeah, so we're actually just starting with one set. It's called the Alpine Scrub Set, and it's one top and one pant. And the top is kind of a high-necked, crew-neck, feminine neckline um, to kind of avoid that flapping open when you have your vocera and your badge and whatever it is that you clip onto your collar. Um, it tends to flap your shirt open, even if you're not bending over. So we really wanted to focus on high feminine necklines and athletic fit to make sure that if you have broad shoulders, you know, if you're strong and you're moving, that you're not constricted by your clothing at all. And so we really utilize um, different types of stitching, but also just the measurements of the garment itself to make sure it could accommodate a lot of different types of bodies. Um, on the top, there's 12 pockets. And so we just really wow. wanted to 
put as many pockets on as possible and allow people to sort out their supplies as needed, right? And um, so there's places for pens, there's places for flushes, there's places like a little pill pocket in each top front pocket and then a big pocket. And because um, some people like to put their stuff in their top, some people like to put their supplies in their pant, right? So we just wanted to make sure that all the options were there and just making sure that we had bilateral pockets on the top and the, and the pant because that was a huge pain point for people is not mm. having like a thigh pocket to be able to put your supplies in. Mm. Um, and then our Alpine scrub pant has a four and a half inch yoga style waistband, which is pretty tall. It really falls at the natural waist and, and gives people different torso lengths. They can, they can play with where they want their waistband to sit. Um, and it also provides a little bit of compression, but a little bit looser that's comfortable. So you can still move, but it kind of has a smooth lines, no drawstrings to kind of mm -hmm. interrupt the aesthetic and uh, the lines of the garment itself. But also as a layering system from that perspective, just really providing a clean under, a base layer essentially. And then it transitions more into a trouser style scrub pant. Um, that is fitted, but very stretchy, and you have hand pockets and back pockets, and the pant actually has 14 total pockets, and so then you have bilateral thigh pockets with all kinds of, you know, flush, spaces for flushes and pens and pills down there in your phone as well. So we really just tried to have this practical design approach you know we really focused on function making sure that your body was covered in all kinds of positions which interestingly enough with covid it's a whole new pain point right like if you're in full pp and you're wearing your papper and you have your papper belt on and you put your gown on it's interesting because if you're wearing a set of scrubs that fits you poorly, you go in their room and you bend over and you have a mm. huge space on your backside of your <laughs> skin that's exposed, right? And I just kind of was re-realizing this over the last couple of weeks and was just like, man, this is it, you know? This is like a whole new perspective of viewing our scrubs as part of our PPE because it's a physical barrier, you know? Mm. So that kind of, it was an interesting switch in my own perspective, mm -hmm. even though I've been doing this for a while. Wow, that's amazing. So you, you've, you've found the, the need, the materials, the design, the creation, manufacturing. Um, so let's talk about distribution. I know a little bit about that, what you're doing, but not much. Tell us what you're doing for distribution. Yeah, so we're launching our company and our first product on a crowdfunding site called Kickstarter. And it's an interesting way to launch a company, but we're totally bootstrapped. It's my sister and myself, we're co-founders. And uh, we're doing this all just out of our own pocket and we're moving slowly and just trying to take one step at a time. And crowdfunding is a great way to launch a product and a company because you're essentially asking a lot of people to give you a little bit of money to achieve your goal. And our goal is manufacturing. We want to make, um, we want to get our scrubs made, you know, and 500 sets of scrubs is about the minimum manufacturing quantity for one color. And so we really set out to raise enough and pre-orders to be able to pay for our first manufacturing run. And we've hit our minimum goal at $20,000 in three days. And so we wow. were super honored by the response. And, and essentially people are, are buying our scrubs, knowing that they're going to wait a few months to get them um, to support us and to help us get this company going. That's really amazing. So you have multiple sizes of one mm -hmm. scrub type in one color, did you say? 
Correct. Yep. So we'll offer extra small to 2XL in both petite, regular, and tall length. And um, yeah, and so that's quite a few SKUs for fulfillment. And Mm -hmm. um, we just also don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we are still learning every single day. And we really want to make sure that um, both from a practical standpoint, a business standpoint, and a waste standpoint, we don't want to get too big for our britches, so to speak, and, and, you know, get a bunch of scrubs made that potentially have problems or whatever. We just want to make sure that we're growing according to where we're at. that's really a great way to do it in terms of the crowdsourcing and the Kickstarter funding because people are not particular it's not a donation and people aren't even taking a risk they're just saying yes I can wait a few months to buy this and if you didn't get enough money then they wouldn't pay for the non-delivery yeah so that's really cool so uh, let's talk about first of all uh, how do you how do you know about the quality did you did you like wash your your sample a bunch of times and tested in all sorts of ways. So let's talk about quality testing and then also about um, what kind of um, guarantee or service or something do you, do you plan to provide? Yeah, definitely. So as far as quality testing, we went through a development, like a sample development process, essentially. We got our first sample. We're like, great, we love this, this, and this this needs to be fixed. And so uh, we went through that until we had a perfect development sample. And then we went um, to our manufacturer and we started a sampling process with them and utilizing our full supply chain. So this will be these samples, the factory samples are what mimics our final product. And um, so we did our first sample and the cut and sew quality was great. And we had a few problems with the fabric. And so we kind of went back to the drying board and, and went through that um, process with the fabric mill to be like, hey, you know, how do we fix this problem? We had some threads coming loose in the weave of the fabric, mostly because we wanted a twill fabric because it's a beautiful, rugged, kind of lightweight denim look and, and typically is more durable. And they were great and really worked with us about different processes and how to improve that. I had to spend a whole kind of sidebar day learning about how to measure durability in fabric. Mm-hmm. And so that was a whole um, educational pursuit on its own because I had to come up with some concrete measurements, right? Of like, this is kind of what we expect and what we're after as far as our durability standards. And they were able to kind of come back around and, and make some suggestions and, and move forward with, um, with more samples. Terrific. Um, okay. And then what about your guarantees to folks? What is, how, what's your plan for that? Yeah. So, um, we understand that people are having a lot of faith in us right now. And we, um, we really appreciate that these early adopters are with us from the beginning. And so, um, when we distribute our scrubs, we're hoping, you know, February, March, we, on Kickstarter, we said April distribution, just to give ourselves plenty of time with COVID. There's always unexpected delays and, and really it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen with supply chains at any given point in time because of the pandemic. So we gave ourselves plenty of time to kind of work out any issues that may arise. But when our scrubs arrive, um, we are going to actually fulfill our Kickstarter campaign ourselves, my sister and I, here at my home, 
which wasn't our original plan. We were going to use a fulfillment center and have, you know, professionals who do this all the time take care of that aspect. Mm -hmm. But we really felt like, yes, we do trust the quality control and then our supply chain in India. And, um, but we also want to make sure that we immediately lay hands and eyes on every set of scrubs that we send out. And and also, just in case, if there is a problem, we want to notice ourselves immediately, you know, and make sure that each set of scrubs that goes out the door um, is just looks perfect and is perfect and does what we say it will. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll be fulfilling everything ourselves and we'll be communicating with our customers directly. And so if anyone does have any problems, they can reach out to our company, which is my sister and I, and we'll be able to address those concerns personally, which we feel like is really important, at the, especially at this stage of business. Yeah, you bet. That's great. So um, I don't want you to tell us the price of the scrubs because this may be broadcast later. I mean, mm -hmm. will, people may listen to it later, but would you say that your pricing is um, comparable to other, you know, good quality scrubs? Yeah, so our pricing is a bit higher than the current market. Um, I think some of the newer companies have helped us, helped us kind of break the glass ceiling on pricing a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we are comparable to the top end of what's available out there. Mm -hmm. And I will just say that, Pricing is something that I struggled with the most throughout mm. this process. Um, I myself am a pretty frugal person. You know, I, I don't buy a lot of things that I I don't need specifically for a, a certain task. And and so I really struggle because I want I wanted them to be really affordable. But the reality of creating a, a truly ethical supply chain and making sure that every step of the way people get paid their worth, it is more expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And until we are a bigger company and can order higher quantities, um, the reality is, is that it costs us about twice or three times as much to make our scrubs as, as most of our competitors. Mm -hmm. And so that was a factor that I really struggled with. And, and I reached out to mentor Sarah Calhoun of Red Ants Pants, like has really helped me with this mm -hmm. about like measuring value of what you're doing beyond the dollar. And mm -hmm. Perhaps our margins, even with a little bit higher pricing, isn't what they're, quote, supposed to be from a business perspective. But do we believe in what we're doing? Absolutely. Do we think this is the right way to do business? Absolutely. And it's all about finding a starting point for us and knowing that we're going to continue down this path and things will change and we'll get better and, and we'll kind of find our way. That sounds great. And there, there are, I believe, a number of people who really want to live their values and are uh, not, um, you know, that, that they would be really excited to find a scrub that not only fits and is comfortable, but also they feel they can trust because the, the supply chain, broadly speaking, is pretty darn opaque. I mean, it's really hard to tell where things come from, you know. So I think, you know, your idea, not only of the third-party verification, but of really tracking the, the raw materials through the process will be a great story to tell and that will I think be relieving to you know a, a certain number of of uh, the population particularly healthcare people and particularly women the, you are designing these for women is that right yes we are starting as a female focused company mm -hmm. mostly because of just my personal capacity to just design one set of scrubs at the moment and move yeah. through this process and learn and and using this as my platform right. And mm -hmm. at least in healthcare, it, you know, there's a preponderance of women. So it's a good, good place to start. <laughs> um, so I want to talk in a couple of different directions. Uh, one of which is 
tell, tell, talk to us a little bit more about this connection. And you've already said about it, but I'm interested in exploring the connection between health and healthcare and the environment and this whole idea that you've described beautifully of, of sustainable supply chain of healthy um, products that honor the work we're doing that maintain respect, et, et cetera. But in, because this podcast really looks at nursing and environment, what would you add about that? Yeah, so I think healthcare workers, we, we've talked about this a lot, um, that nurses specifically, but healthcare workers in general are at this really interesting intersection of, of health and advocacy. And we, we have a lot of direct connection with people um, in the healthcare system, but we're also a really respected profession. And if we can take on advocacy roles in ways that we're comfortable and passionate about um, that are also based in research and science, that people really do tend to listen. And I think that it, it is in some ways our responsibility to advocate for the things that we care about and especially sustainability and environment um, because the healthcare industry is huge, right? And you take these huge industries that make up our overall economy if you zero in on, on healthcare, for example, and actuate change from the base up and change the structure of system, the way the system works as a whole, then you're really getting into making real change. And I think, you know, climate change and protecting wild places is really important to a lot of us in healthcare and especially in Montana. And I think that we, um, yeah, we're really able to to make those connections between our personal health, our emotional health, our, our our mental health, and being able to have access to clean air and clean water and wild places, and and be able to heal ourselves and our souls, and then go into the hospital and help other people. You know, and and that connection, that cycle is pretty like you can we I can feel it. You know, um, and so I think that's where I always start and end. That was nicely said. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, let's just think a moment. This is a different direction as well about because of what you've learned from, you know, you're finding a solution, you know, using uh, an integrated approach with your own values and this real need that you're finding. And then sorting through all this, you know, labyrinthine, how on earth do you start and where do you get materials and how do you pull them together and, and all of that. Um, because I work in the healthcare environmental stewardship and are, we're working on supply chain issues. What have you, what has come to your thinking in terms of other aspects in healthcare that you think uh, your experience might shed some light on in terms of solutions for, to our supply chain, which is enormous? Yeah. So I, I think just seeking out alternatives, you know, and, for any material that exists and specifically like plastics and um, synthetics in general, there, there are a lot of technological advances happening out there in other industries um, to provide biodegradable alternatives or recycled materials or whatever aspect you want to tackle of it. And I think just um, my goal is to get into the supply chain aspect so I can really visualize how things are made in a variety of circumstances and then be able to circle back to healthcare and health and healthcare industry supply chains and be able to offer perspective on finding alternatives and then also finding alternatives that are cost effective, right? And making sure that we can, um, yeah, just seek these things out, first of all, to see if they exist in other industries. 
Um, and if they do figure out how to streamline them and maybe it's a quantity issue or, or so on, but be able to source those things for the hospital systems. Because um, if we can find things that are more sustainable, that are the same price, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Yeah, and even as you say, even if there's an incremental price difference, it may have other hidden advantages, even that hit the bottom line. For instance, in, in healthcare clinical supplies, if we can reduce waste, we don't usually think of the cost of waste disposal in our first cost when we're looking at that. And so that, you know, to bring a bigger picture, uh, a total life cycle analysis for the costs and also uh, meeting other organizational goals or meeting the mission of the organization. So, so those things are sometimes kind of hidden, but they're part of the whole package in terms of identifying value. Yeah, and I want to touch on that too, that data creation that, you know, you and Sarah and so many others in our system and in healthcare in general are trying to create right now. I think that data is the most important thing to creating a more sustainable future in healthcare. Because in order to create an infographic, for example, that everybody can see on Instagram and be like, oh, that really makes sense. Like, that's easy to understand. Why haven't we always done this? <laughs> you have to have the research and the data to back it up. And mm -hmm. though that can be kind of meticulous and, and sometimes take a long time it's that is the backbone on which real change is created so yeah facts matter you're saying facts matter <laughs> and, and the data matters research matters science matters it's like yes these are the things in which like if you can prove you know with data and then create it digestible for the mass population i really think that change comes a lot easier you bet well, this is really exciting. I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I've known a little bit about it and, I, and I'm really happy to explore with you um, a little bit more. So how could yeah. people reach you? How would you like, what would you like people to know about um, how they could get involved? Yeah, so I would say that I'm most active on Instagram. I find it the easiest way to directly um, relate with other healthcare professionals um, all around the world. And so we're at Medicine MTN Scrubs on Instagram. We also have a website, www.medicinemountainscrubs.com. And from those two places, you can pretty much link out to our Kickstarter campaign where we're actively pre-selling our scrubs and other promotional items at this moment in time. And um, also just connect to our recording of our sustainability summit, which is our kickoff event for our Kickstarter campaign, um, which has some really great information um, and interviewed some really incredible people in healthcare who are change makers in the areas of sustainability. And, um, but yeah, you can kind of, from those two platforms, you can really find out what we're all about, what we're doing, what our overarching mission is, is because we really are out to change the way business as usual is done, right? And we really want to make um, sustainability and ethics just a core part of how business is done, both in healthcare and just in society in general. Wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Um, I have a question. Have you, just thinking about your role now as a nurse entrepreneur and a nurse business person, uh, have you found others? Are, are, is there a lot happening out there with, with nursing in terms of innovation, design, invention, product development, et cetera? Yeah, definitely. There are, um, there's a lot in, in the thought creation space where nurses are transitioning to um, trying to help other 
healthcare providers prevent burnout and, you know, coaching, career coaching, Mm -hmm. um, people who are specifically interested in remote work and just really trying to help people find their niche, you know, because bedside nursing specifically can be really tough, right? It can be tough on your mind, body, and soul. And, and so there's a lot of people out there that are starting businesses in that kind of thought space. And, there are some product-based businesses for sure. And there's some cool developments out of the PPE uh, manufacturing mm-hmm. space and, and learning how to, you know, secure government contracts and manufacturing. And, um, but to be honest with the manufacturing side, I've really, a lot of my mentors are in the outdoor space because mm-hmm. it is more popular and because we are kind of doing something a little bit different in the healthcare space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, but it's been really interesting and a lot of therapy work, creating um, therapy programs for frontline workers, you know, COVID fatigue is a very real thing, mm-hmm. both for people mm-hmm. out in society, but especially for healthcare workers. And I'm just trying to help people be a little bit kinder to themselves and um, have more self-compassion so they can be strong and resilient and and get through. Let me ask you another question related to COVID. So you've you've been doing this, you said, for 18 months. So eight of those months or so, I think, have been during a pandemic. So that is not what you anticipated, I'm sure. But you already reflected on how you realized that this, you're, design and development actually can be part of a solution, at least in terms of PPE. Have you, have you, have you, is there anything else to reflect on about the pandemic? Did it disrupt your supply chain more? Did it open up more possibilities for supply chain because things were slowed down? What, how would you uh, describe that experience? Yeah, so we were supposed to launch in May and Mm -hmm. when the pandemic was declared um, in March, everything shut down, our entire supply chain. So development stopped, sampling stopped, everything for at least two months. And so at first, that was a huge mental blow because we were just felt ready to go. It turned out to be a gift for us. It allowed us more time to market, to build our audience, to kind of prepare for launch, but also to test our scrubs. And as you said, you know, we washed our samples hundreds of times. I had my coworkers and my friends all wear them and give me feedback. And um, it just allowed us some more space to pause and evaluate what we're doing and how we wanted to do it. Um, But it was an interesting thing because we were still trying to tackle um, and piece together our supply chain. And so we were still seeking out, you know, suppliers in the United States, for example. And it was interesting because the federal government became a huge competitor in manufacturing because of um, this seeking American-made PPE, which is Mm -hmm. a fantastic idea. And just kind of on the back end for smaller companies or companies getting going, Mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't, any space in the U.S. for manufacturing mm-hmm. um, and, and people who had contracts already were getting canceled and so mm-hmm. it kind of just pushed us along our way and, and then we found our ethical sourcing company and you know I think everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. and so I tried to really stick to that perspective because because mm-hmm. it got us to where we are today we had to really mm-hmm. switch modes and reevaluate and you know scramble a little bit but but I think in the end it all worked out yeah that's cool. That's a great story. Yeah. Well, I just want to, we're getting, I've taken enough of your time already, but I wanted to just, you know, you are a um, unique um, problem solver and you're clear minded and you have, you know, great energy. And there may be nurses who are listening who are really intrigued or who um, would, would say to themselves, oh, I could never do something like that or, you know, may 
whatever. I don't know what people's responses would be, but I just want to give you the chance to, to say, what would you say to nurses who might be interested in this, who might have ideas of their own, who might um, see the world differently uh, as you have? You've, because of your vision, you've seen something that was missing. What would you say? <clears throat> yeah, I would just say start small and keep going. Because if you have an idea, I think a lot of people have an idea and they're like, oh yeah, but I could never do that. But in reality, especially if you're a healthcare worker, I mean, you can, you have already proven that you can learn and you can get through hard things. And, and that's all it takes is tenacity and persistence. You know, it's like, I'm no smarter than anybody else. I just um, really focus on follow through and I am stubborn and I will work really hard for a long time to achieve a goal, even if it's just one step at a time. And I just really encourage others to, yeah, get out in the mix and just take those first couple steps forward and, and see what kind of education is available for your specific idea. It is incredible how many people want to help you along your way. And especially if you're in Montana, the entrepreneurship support system here is, is just out of this world. Mm. I mean, there's the Blackstone Launchpad through the university system. It's free business and entrepreneurship mm. counseling. And they really just helped me wrap my head around of like, how do I even work out numbers? Like, how do I even know if I have a viable business idea? Mm -hmm. And they really coached me and nailed it down. And it's just all about finding those first couple people. And then they point you in the direction of the next couple people. And then mm -hmm. they teach you something and they tell you, oh, you have questions about this. You should really talk to this person. And that's really how I've gone through this whole process. You know, it's like, I am not an expert in any one of these areas. I have sought out people who are professionals in each of these areas and mm -hmm. they have helped me with the problems at hand. And it's really just like putting together a puzzle at that point. And I just really hope that people can kind of go, go for it and, and know that it's going to be hard, but it's going to be a really cool journey. You're going to meet a lot of cool people and, and, um, and start to realize how you fit into contributing to the greater good through that process. Very cool. Okay, now to come back full circle to where we started, and you you said that before you were a nurse, you worked in the outdoor industry as a guide and, and in other ways. Do you feel like that experience particularly has prepared you well for this role? And how? Definitely. I mean, I think when you play or work in the outdoors, and then also working in healthcare, you know, you don't get into those activities because it's easy. You have this mentality of like doing hard things on purpose. And I talk about this a lot because the sense of reward that you get from trying to tackle something that's really hard um, is pretty outstanding. And it doesn't mean that you might not cry or want to quit or just be totally exhausted along the way. But then you kind of push through it and wherever you arrive is truly beautiful. And I've had that experience just, you know, in the outdoors, you, you hike and you hike and you hike and you want to quit. And if you get lost or you take a route that doesn't work out and you have to turn around and hours later you finally arrive and it's just so beautiful. You are so glad that you just kept going. Wonderful. Well, Oriana, thank you so much for this discussion today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I think just touching on the self-compassion again, I just really want healthcare workers out there to be kind to themselves because there's a lot, the world is really heavy right now, not just with climate change and social justice. I mean, there's just a lot happening that weighs pretty heavily on our souls. And, and it's a good place that I started to kind of nail down my personal values. And 
work through just a little process that's easily digestible for mindfulness and just noticing your inner critic and if you're talking to yourself in the super critical way and how that affects your physiology and your emotions and then just consciously trying to change it and, and speak to yourself in a kinder way and motivate yourself with compassion instead and really feeling the physical result of that. And so I just like, that's kind of my other little soapbox that I've been on for the last uh, eight months is like, you know, yeah, work through the process and just make little changes to just be a little bit nicer to yourself. Wonderful advice. <laughs> Thank you, Oriana. Thank you, Beth. I really appreciate you having me here today. What fun to talk with Oriana Turley to learn how she is taking her vision to solve a problem well known to all healthcare workers from an idea to a finished product. Her solution is practical, ethical, and environmentally sustainable. Her inspiration and drive are inspiring. That she started small, took it one step at a time, learned about each aspect along the way, and got help from friends, strangers, and serendipity, all remind us that each of us can drive change and follow our dreams. Please check out Ariana's website, Instagram, and Kickstarter in the show notes. Thank you again to Oriana, and thank you all for listening. As a reminder, please share the podcast with others, rate us on iTunes, or make a comment. These all help the podcast be more visible. Take care all, and talk to you next time.